Psalm 46. The historical content of Psalm 46, most believe it is when King Hezekiah was king of Judah, and he was and the people of Judah were surrounded by the army of Sennacherib. He was the king of Assyria. Um, just to let you know, this is the same Syria that we read about in the news today. Already, Sennacherib had conquered 46 towns and villages in Judah. Over 200,000 residents had been taken captive. And along with that, they took all the spoils. The spoils go to the victor. So they took whatever they wanted. So Hezekiah is here, and they are surrounded by 185,000 troops are surrounding Jerusalem. And it looked like only a matter of time until Jerusalem fell. Proud Sennacherib continued to um, torment those of Jerusalem, but he did not reckon with the fact that Hezekiah's God is the living God who will not be mocked. Hezekiah prayed, God spoke, and in one night, The angel of the Lord defeated Sennacherib by killing 185,000 soldiers without King Hezekiah's army lifting a hand. You can read about this in 2 Kings 18 and 19. And it's in this backdrop. You can imagine, you can imagine the hopelessness and the doom and the despair that they faced surrounded already. They've heard the reports of all these towns that have been swept through and 200,000 taken into captivity. And and they look out and literally surrounding Jerusalem, 185,000 troops. And it's just a matter of time And then God brought miraculously a deliverance. And then they sang the psalm, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. This psalm that we want to look at today really gives three exhibits to encourage us to trust God. In a court case, a lawyer will present Exhibit A to try to show and bring the jury or the judge to their conclusion. And then they'll give Exhibit B as evidence These are evidences that this is why we believe this is what happened. In this psalm, there are basically three exhibits, three evidences 
of why we should trust God, rest in the Lord, and so on. But he begins, first of all, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. First of all, we have to realize that trouble will come. It teaches that God is our help in trouble, not that he exempts us from trouble. We'll get in and see. The psalm mentions catastrophic trouble. It mentions global changes, severe earthquakes and storms. It mentions wars. You don't read the Bible without understanding that trouble comes. In Hebrews 11, the great faith hall of fame, it mentions Christians being homeless without proper food and clothing, being hunted down, mocked, tortured, enduring beatings, imprisonment, and various other forms of cruel execution. So you read Hebrews 11 and you think, oh my, you know, my my trouble of the dishwasher breaking this week or the cows getting out or or whatever happens in our life pretty much pales in comparison to the troubles that a lot of people have been through because of the cause of Christ. It doesn't minimize the trials that we face in this life, but in the midst of it, we're talking about the most severe kinds of trials this psalm is addressing And he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in these troubles. He goes on, verse 2, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, meaning stop and think about this. So, he's saying, God can be trusted when the whole world that we're living in goes crazy. When the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea and the earthquake and the waters roar and are troubled and the mountains shake. He is painting a picture of of severe severe catastrophic events, cataclysmic earthquakes in which the world, in essence, is unmade and shaken. And he says, He is our shelter. We run to Him as a refuge. And the word that he uses here just doesn't mean a, a little wall that's put up and you hope it holds. It literally means an impregnable high fortress that nothing can break through. He said he is our shelter. He is our refuge, our shelter. He is our strength. We rely on his strength. Again, remember, they have just seen God bring deliverance and They are saying, God indeed is our refuge. We cried out to him, 
and God delivered us. He is our strength. It wasn't our strength that defeated 185,000 Assyrians. It was God's strength. We say, I just don't have the strength to go on anymore. That's absolutely true. That's where we need God's strength. And the psalm is continually bringing us back and pointing us, God can be trusted when everything around us is falling apart. He is our shelter, He is our strength, and He is our security. God is our refuge, our shelter. He is our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. The security of knowing that he is right here. The security of knowing that mom or dad, to a little kid, that mom or dad are right here. You know, we we have the grandkids come over and spend the night and we tuck them into bed. Where will you be? Will you sit right outside the door and read your Bible? Okay, we'll do that. With the boys, it's about 10 seconds, and boom, they're out. The girls, it's about... And it's like, Emery and Cora, do I need to get the wooden spoon? Then things change, all right? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? But there's security for them knowing... If, if I said, no, we'll be downstairs, there's no security in that. They want to be able to peek out and know you're still sitting there. You've done it with your own kids. We'll be right out here, right out here. And, and then you tippy t- you get up. Your bones creak as you get older, you know. Oh, I hope that didn't wake. And then you tippy-toe, or I'll be right here in the room, and you think they're asleep, and you tippy-toe out of the room, and then the little baby's head pops up. You know, ah, why? They like the help near. And he's saying, even if all these things fall to pieces, God is my strength, He is my shelter. And he is the one that is my security. I find security knowing that God is near. God is a real refuge, a real strength, and a real help to people when there is no logical reason to not fear. Even the biggest crisis, the earth shaken and removed... During an earthquake a few years ago, the inhabitants of a small village were alarmed by the quake, but were also surprised by the calmness and apparent joy of an old woman who they all knew. At length, one of them asked her, aren't you afraid? She replied, no. I rejoice to know that I have a God who can shake the world. To her, God was a refuge, a strength, and a source of security when literally the world was shaken. So in verses 1 through 3, he's saying God can be trusted when the world goes crazy and the world physical world or the world of the 
economics or politics or whatever world it is. But notice if you'd look in verse 7. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In this second scene, so to speak, it's a picture of a city engulfed by a massive siege, an innumerable host of enemies surrounding it, and God's power is celebrated over these attackers. There is a river. Jerusalem is one of the few ancient cities not built on a river. Ancient cities needed water close at hand, especially during the siege. When Sennacherib attacked Jerusalem, he was sure that their lack of water would ultimately drive them to surrender. But unknown to Sennacherib, Jerusalem had a source of water. Wise King Hezekiah had built an underground tunnel that had secretly brought water over 1,700 feet through solid rock from the spring of Gion to the pool of Shalom. That little stream provided all their needs during this extended stay, extended siege, until God brought the victory. So when it says here, there is a river, it is fresh in their mind. We would have died were it not for this river of water coming in. But he is talking much more than that. There is a river, the river of life, the Spirit of God that provides the provisions of God in our life. And his resources make all the difference in the world. So he, he's giving this. He, he first of all gives the exhibit that God can be trusted. He will be a refuge. He will be a strength. He will be a security for us when everything in the world goes crazy. And then he says, God and his resources can make all the difference in your life. And it's the resources that we have in Christ through the ministry of the Spirit of God in our life. Whatever problems rage against us, God's Spirit is an ever-flowing river who sustains us and gives us gladness even while we are under siege. God is in the midst of her. He will help her. He has the power. He is the Lord of hosts. You notice it says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. Notice verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. Meaning, God is the Lord of all the armies of heaven. 
And he is the master of all the armies of earth. He is the one that is in control of all, and he will provide your need through the ministry of the Spirit, through the Word of God, and in understanding he has all power. We read a lot about what's going on in Syria. What is Iran up to? What is North Korea up to? As I read through this this last week, he is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of all the armies of heaven. And he is over all the armies of the earth. That ought to make us take great comfort and rest in the fact that, you know what, no matter what happens, all the armies, and he says, look at this, 185,000. Did God need a nuclear weapon to wipe them out? No. One angel of the Lord came, and I love it, they all woke up dead. How do you wake up dead? You don't wake up dead, but they woke up dead, okay? This is what only God can do. And the psalmist is saying, I don't care what comes in your life. God is very, very present in your life. He is a refuge for you. He is a strength for you. He is security for you. He gives us all these provisions through the Spirit of God. So he reminds them, first of all, of, of the fact that God can be trusted regardless of what happens in our world, that he gives to us the resources. There is a river. That's the river of life, the Spirit of God. There is a river. God is in the midst of her. He controls all the hosts of heaven and earth. He has everything at his disposal. He will provide. Then it goes into the last stanza, if you please. And we read, Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. The, the third scene is a picture of a battlefield after the battle is won. With the bodies of the enemy and the engines of war strewn all over the place, it's a battlefield aftermath in which the bodies of God's vanquished enemies are to be contemplated as an evidence of God's power over all of the warring world, is celebrated in this scene. He begins by saying, Come, behold the works of the Lord. What he's wanting us to do is remember what the battlefield will be like when God is done. What he's saying is, Come, come, look at this. Come, behold the works of the the Lord. What desolation. He makes wars to cease. When he's inviting us now to look into the future in this exhibit. Take a look at this. This is how things are going to end. Come, behold the works of the Lord. 
He, he makes wars to see. He cuts, he breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariots of fire. Be still and know, I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. And he's reminding us to take a look at what the battlefield will be like when God is done. When we were in Israel, we, we went to Megiddo, and you look over the, the valley of Megiddo where the battle of Armageddon will take place. And I just pictured as I stood there, it was like, to me it was one of the highlights of the trip of Israel, to me. I mean, to know this is where it's going to end. Evil will be conquered. It, it will be done. And this is what he's saying. Come, take a look at this. He makes wars to cease. World War I was the war to end all wars. World War II was our second try at it. World War III, if it comes, will be our third try at it. Only God will make all wars to cease. And he's reminding the followers of Christ, come, look at this. You can trust God. He is going to make all things work out right. And he gives us these exhibits of this. And he shows us the power of God and he reminds us of this. And then he comes and he says, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. It's interesting that be still means literally it has several connotations here, but to rest in the Lord. It isn't just the idea that we should stop our activity. It's the sense more that we should stop our own trust in our own efforts, in our own minds, in our own strengths. Quit rebelling against God. Submit to Him and rest in Him. Nations may rage and proud men will rebel, but God's sovereign purpose will be fulfilled. He sets up kings and he removes kings as he will. But he alone will be exalted in the earth. And when Christ returns, he will crush all opposition to his reign. The mightiest armies are no match for his sovereign power. And he's saying, quit resisting, lay down your arms, trust in the Lord, be still and know that I am God. So he gives these examples of this. Let me just make several applications from this psalm. And I would encourage you to go back and meditate on this psalm. Number one that we already mentioned, don't be surprised at trouble. Christ didn't come to make give us a trouble-free life. The trouble should be, as we've sung today, the Lord's our rock, in Him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. Lord, I need You. 
It should cause us to run to God as our refuge. That's the next point. Number one, the refuge from my sin. Where can I go? My sin. There is no hiding from it. I run to the blood of Jesus Christ for the refuge of that. But as a child of God, I run to him continually. Not only run to him, I dwell in him. The Lord is my refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Thirdly, rely on the Holy Spirit as your resource for all sufficiency. I believe the Holy Spirit is the quiet member of the Trinity. I believe there's a reason that we are exhorted, grieve not the Holy Spirit, resist not the Spirit. I believe that the Spirit of God is ignored, forgotten, um, disobeyed, and resisted over and over again in the lives of we as Christians to the point that we get we do not even hear the Spirit of God. Our hearts become calloused. And we need to come back and say, God, you have given your spirit to guide me into truth and whatever you have to do so that I am sensitive to your spirit's leading and obedient to your spirit. I want you to do it in my life. That's what revival is. Revival is a renewed obedience to the spirit of God. The spirit of God is the author of this book. When we open this book, do we ask the Spirit to teach us? Do we ask the Spirit of God to instruct us? When we begin our day, do we say, God, I want your Spirit to lead me today. I submit now to you. I pray that you would direct my thoughts, my intents, direct my words Rely on the Spirit as your resource for all sufficiency. Number four, submit to Him as your master. We, we don't like that term master. We react to that because we're all rebellious and we all want to be in control. You have a master. It is either God, it is either self or Satan, and self and Satan are the same, okay? They're under the same umbrella. Every one of us, he said, choose you this day who you will serve. We have a master. We either yield our members, Romans 6 says, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, or we yield ourselves as instruments of righteousness unto God. And it is coming. That that phrase, be still, means to lay down and submit to God. Lay down your rebel arms. Be still. Quit resisting. Be still. Submit to God as your master. The only way to conquer fear is to know God and rest in him. Be still and know that I am God. He said that then we we need not be given to fear. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, though all these things go to pieces. And we submit to him as our master. 
And we know God. Be still and know that I am God. And we can rest in him. Why? I know how it ends. I know that God wins. I know that God makes everything right. And I can rest in him. That's number six. We remember how things end. We need to be reminding ourselves of how things end. Because right now, you look around, it's a mess. But we need to remember how things end. Psalm 46 inspired the reformer Martin Luther to write his triumphant hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Luther, in his stand against the um, doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church, faced numerous dangers and threats on his life from the Pope and his forces. At one point, he spent 11 months in hiding in Wartburg Castle. In the face of opposition, excommunication, and pressure from every side to back down, he stood firmly for the truth of salvation by grace alone through faith alone. When he had occasion to fear or grow discouraged, he would say to his friend and co-worker, Come, let us sing the 46th Psalm. And they would lift their voices. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Luther wrote, we sing this psalm as praise to God because God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends his church and his word against all evils and against the gates of hell. Luther, when in greatest distress, was wont to call for the psalm, saying, Let us sing the 46th psalm in concert, and then let the devil do his worst. He had a confidence, The Lord is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be cast into the sea. There is a river, the Spirit of God, dwelling within us that will never be cut off, that meets and supplies every need we will ever have. Because of that, I am going to be still and rest in the Lord and know that He is God. He will be exalted among the heathen. He will make wars to cease. Take a look. Come, behold the works of God. He makes wars to cease. He is the ruler over all. Let's stand together as we sing number 81. A mighty fortress is our God.